Are you ready to bring your real estate game to the next level? My name is James Prendamano. I'm the CEO and founder of Pre-Real. And over the past 25 years, I've closed over a billion dollars in transactional real estate. Each week, I'm meeting with outstanding investors, high-performing individuals, and visionaries operating in the real estate space. These are the people that are actually out there in the real estate game right now getting it done. This podcast aims at bringing anyone's game to the next level. This is the Pre-Real Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Pre-Real Podcast. Uh, We're joined today by Kent Ritter. So Kent is uh, the founder of Hudson Investing, a multifamily private equity firm, has had a tremendous amount of success, uh, an amazing story. Uh, We're going to talk about the why and and, and how he got got to that kind of moment where he he really decided it was time to to make a change in, in some of the unbelievable projects Kent's worked on and some opportunities that are out in the market today. Kent, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, James, thanks for having me on the show. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Anytime we we can get, a, a, you know, you're young, but but you've got a, a heck of a resume and kind of a grizzled vet, you know, that that understands <laughs> how to do these do things I look the that right bad? way. No, you, you look outstanding. I got to tell you, I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> Um, but your your resume is 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 outstanding, and and you know Kent, there's a lot of folks out there today uh, in the market that are syndicators, uh, but but there's a lot to be to be wary of, right? So mm-hmm. anytime we can have a pro on, uh, we're real excited. So uh, you know, really, I started out just by finding somebody that was close to me, a family friend who was doing some real estate investing himself. And just saying, okay, hey, you know, what, what's this all about? And so I really started out doing what he was doing, which was buying notes and, and you know, really being the debt and building out a note portfolio. Um, and that was that was cool. I, I did by four or five of those before one of those. Uh, about a year later, a house got paid off, and you know, you're on the you're on the statement, the closing statement, because you're getting your loan paid back. And I'm like, wow, this guy just doubled his money. This house doubled in value in one year. Uh, and it's cool. I'm getting my my money paid back. That's all well and good. But like this guy doubled his money. I was like, I need to start buying assets instead of holding the debt. And so that really uh, turned me on to, you know, starting to do some fix and flips, starting to do some some single family rentals, uh, build out a, a single family duplex portfolio with a couple of buddies from college. We ended up with about 11 units. We're doing three or four flips a year. Um, and that was fine too. But like, that's hard work. I don't know if you yeah. guys have, you know, flipping is a full-time job. Uh, and so none of it was scalable enough, right? Like we were making good money, but it wasn't scalable enough for me. Like, like that was what I was trying to bring to really that group who, I mean, one of my friends had been flipping houses for 15 years since we had graduated college and he was doing three or four a year in self-funding. And I was like, Hey, let me pump some capital into this. Let's scale it. Um, and we just, we just hit, um, you know, we just figured it was harder than we thought to scale, yeah. you know? And so, so I was like, okay, well, th- that was all well and good. And at that time I was really learning about apartments though. I was really learning about apartments and multifamily and really getting engrossed in that and, and really met a couple of mentors that had my eyes open. I'm like, wow, this is how you scale. This is how you go buy a hundred units at one time, you know? Um, and that just made all the sense in the world to me, because that was one of the big things that I learned being a management consultant 
was as a business, you've got to be growing and there's safety in scale. And so the bigger you can get, oftentimes, if you do things right, there's safety in that size. And so, so that's what I saw. And so that's what I was like, we got to scale, we got to scale. And so that's what really brought me to apartments. And then I learned about syndications. And then I started investing with other people. And, and instead of doing the work myself, I started investing with others and said, wow, I'm getting you know, not as good as flipping a house, but it's a hell of a lot less work to just hand somebody a hundred thousand dollars and have them give you 15, 20% back. Right. Yep. And so I did that until really the end of 2019. So it was about a three and a half, almost four year period where I was just doing kind of figuring my way and learning about syndications and investing with other people. And until 2019, when I I had been through, you know, I've listened to all the podcasts, read all the books, been through the courses, found a couple of great mentors who could, you know, help me avoid some pretty large potholes. And that's when I launched Hudson Investing because I felt comfortable enough to to actually bring other people's money on. Because up to that point, I'd only invested with my own capital. Mm. And so, you know, I, I didn't want to ever lose anybody else's money. So I wanted to be really sure I knew what the hell I was doing. So in 2019, we launched that at, at the end, was, I think it was October of 2019, we acquired our first property, two properties, a two property portfolio with a couple of partners down in Atlanta. It was 250 units. And that was the first syndication. And that was the first time I, I raised capital from others and really ran the deal. And then from there, now, now you kind of fast forward and we're on our 11th uh, acquisition right now. Okay. So let's talk deals. You're, you're now taking these deals down. Uh, you've got the infrastructure, you've got a pathway, you have access to investors. Kent, when you're looking to identify these deals, are you looking in one particular geographic location or what does that process look like? Yeah, good question. So we we focus with it, uh, throughout the Midwest. Uh, mm. Primarily, it's Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. And then as we grow, we're expanding out into geographies. But I really started out with taking a, about a three hour radius around Indianapolis, where I live, and saying, "Okay, you know, these are this is going to be where I focus." Um, really staying out of Illinois, uh, just because Illinois is not a business friendly state. But you know, all those other states were were up for grabs. And so I started, uh, that's, that's how I started networking, right. And started building relationships in those cities. And so like right now we have properties in, in Indiana or in Indianapolis, um, Louisville, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Dayton, Ohio. And so, um, you know, we, we started just kind of growing out from Indianapolis and growing into the, those other, uh, major Midwestern cities. And so when we're looking for deals, uh, it really, to me, it starts with that market, right? It starts with what are the markets that we want to be in? And, and we like to be in markets that are really similar to Indianapolis, um, meaning they have a lot of job diversity. There's good job growth. There's uh, non-cyclical jobs. So I like the things I love about like Indianapolis or Louisville or Lexington, um, I mean, actually, actually, all those cities I just mentioned—Cincinnati, Dayton—they all have major universities. Um, you know, they all have good healthcare bases, right? So you think about higher ed, you think about healthcare, you think about government, uh, you think about military. Like these are those are non-cyclical jobs. Those are jobs that that don't go up and down uh, as we have recessions uh, historically, and so it's a solid base, right? Because 
nothing moves more closely uh, with rent growth than job growth. So you really have to look where mm. the job's going and where is there a good job base. And you just don't want to be in a town that everybody's employed by one company, right? And that one company go, goes out. So you need job diversity, right? You want a lot of different employers. So it really starts there. Um, and then as we, as we drill down into, uh, as we drill down into neighborhoods and submarkets, we're really looking at, you know, what are the incomes in the area? What are home values? Uh, you know, what is crime? How are the schools, right? Those are four things that we really, we really hone in on. I've actually, over the years, I've grown a list. The list is something like 35 now of like 35 key things I look for in any deal. Uh, and it's, it's all those things, but it's just over time you realize you're like, wow, why did, why would, maybe that was more important than I thought it was going to be. You know, I need to look at that next time. One thing that we've realized is extremely important is proximity to an interstate. Mm-hmm. And it's because the, you know, if you're, if you're close to an interstate, it just expands how far you can get in a 20 minute period, you know, how far you can get to a job, right. Or to school or to anything. So, so we love properties that are close to interstates. Um, anyway, things like that. So that's how we kind of dig into the neighborhood. And then only after you're like, yes, it's a market I want to be in. Yes, it's a neighborhood I want to be in. Are we looking at the property and saying, okay, well, this is, this is a property that we want to own. And then we're starting to look at criteria such as, you know, the vintage of the property. I mean, I mean, 99% of what we buy is 1980s and newer, um, you know, looking at the construction, looking at the roofs, looking at, you know, uh, and kind of digging in and, and then looking especially at uh, one thing I neglected to mention, hugely important, the comps in the area, right? Because if you're going to go in and you're going to add value, you're going to improve the property. Well, what's the point in doing it if you can't add, if you can't increase the income on the property, right? If you can't raise the rents. I mean, that's kind of why we're in this and why our investors are in this is for a return. And if, and if you're already top of the market and rents aren't growing, then there, there's really no reason to, to dig any further. So you got to look, when you're looking at the submarket, you got to look at the rent comps and say, where do you sit? Uh, and I think an extremely important thing to look at is is where does where is rent compared to the incomes? And that's why we look so closely at incomes. And we look at a rent to income ratio. I mean, and we don't want that rent to income ratio to be above 30% after we come in and raise rents through our renovations. Because we know above that, that's when people become quote unquote rent burdened and it becomes difficult, uh, difficult to pay that much rent. So so we like markets. That's what the Midwest is beautiful because. In many markets in the Midwest, I mean, the rent to income ratio for folks is kind of in the 20s, you know, maybe low 20s. And so we know that it it's relatively affordable. I and mean, everybody's talking about how, how crazy rents are growing right now. Yep. But in the Midwest, relatively speaking, compared to the West Coast, East Coast, South, rents are still relatively affordable. And there's a lot of room they could still grow where people can still pay, uh, still pay and still, still um have a decent rent to income ratio. So folks, that's what a real syndicator sounds like. So many of the metrics that he's touched on, you they're they're just absent from so many of these decks that that I'm seeing in the last maybe 6 to 8 months, man. The market is has heated up to such a point that these syndicators are buying payments, they're not buying quality real estate. Here's, here's the difference to me, because I, I speak to a lot of investors. The difference between the seasoned investors and the new investors are the new investors are concerned about the IRR 
and the cash on cash and all that stuff, but particularly the IRR, right? Like, like, like a new investor will invest in a 16 or an 18 versus 16, just because it's an 18, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of where it's at or whatever, a seasoned investor, when they ask questions, it's all about the downside. What type of debt do you have? Do you have a rate cap? What's your debt service coverage? How much leverage, right? It's all, it's all about the downside. Yeah. Um, and I think, and that, I mean, you can see the difference in the sophistication there and just the type of questions. And so I think if you're, if, you know, as investors, you guys should be focusing, focus on the downside. Cause like there's a Warren Buffett quote, right? Which is like, first rule, don't lose your money. Like that's <laughs> the most important thing over the long term. Real estate will continue to appreciate it. It always has. So appreciation will come. Um, but just focus, you know, you got to focus on the downside, focus on on cash flows, um, really hone in on people's assumptions. Rent, rent expense growth assumptions are extremely powerful because they're they're compounding, right? So right. if I say, okay, it's gonna grow four percent, and then another four, and another four, and another four, like you know, the each time it's compounding growth. It's, it's why compounding interest is, is so powerful, but it's kind of in the other way. So you, I'd say the most important thing on deals is, is just challenge assumptions. Um, and even though I, 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 I realistically think cap rates will stay flat, um, we never underwrite that way, right? We're always building in a cushion uh, because we want to underwrite to the downside. Yeah. And, then it, and then if what I actually think is going to happen happens, then we just look like heroes. It's great. Uh, absolutely. So um, um, I think what we're going to see here uh, as we're looking through our murky crystal balls, right? Um, I think it's actually going to get to a point, Kent, where <clears throat> some of these small to mid cap fund slash banks that um, put debt out in places. Now, primary markets became secondary, secondary became tertiary, and right. those tertiaries became primaries. So like, what, what, what happened here, folks? Um, that's what I was referencing, buying payments, not looking yep. at that long list of metrics that you have to be looking at before you, you place your yep. money. Uh, I, I'm, I fear that uh, the big banks are starting to make some moves that are going to suck that capital out of those smaller and mid caps. Banks are going to fall out of compliance and there's going to be a bit of a, a debt crisis where when it comes mm. time to refinance, what some of these new speculators don't understand is there is a time when there's no capital available from institutions. Yes. Right. The, yeah, they, and I, I, I think you're making a, a great point. Uh, it's the other thing that I really look for when I'm evaluating deals and something something that we don't do is, you know, we're never we're never underwriting the refinance in a way that like the de like we're never going to do a deal if it doesn't work if you don't refinance because right. a refinance, like you said, is not guaranteed. And there, and there have been times in this in this world where you can't go and you you can't get credit. And so I think the deal has to stand on its own. And then, and then if you refinance, everything should just look better, right? It shouldn't be predicated on, on a, a refinance. Yeah. So uh, look, Kent, you, you've, you've dropped some really genuinely amazing knowledge today. I'm, I'm so appreciative, folks. You've got to check out uh, Ritter on Real Estate. He's got a tremendous podcast packed with great guests amazing, valuable information. Uh, where where else can folks find you, Kent? Yeah, you can reach me at my my website, kentritter.com. That's the, the easiest place to find me. We've got 
Uh, we've got a weekly blog. You can access the podcast there if you'd like to. Uh, we've got some new investor and a terminology FAQs, trying to help people just educate themselves. Um, and then you can also check out current deals that we have going on, uh, you know, if that's something that interests you as well. Yeah, absolutely, folks. Definitely check it out. Kent's the real deal. It's been an absolute pleasure, Kent. Thank you so much for the time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, James. I had a blast. Yeah, me, me too. As always, everyone, please stay safe. Thank you.